Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And this segment of the podcast we call Theology for Everyone. We are slowly working our way through the Westminster Confession of Faith. We are almost finished with this um, time in the Westminster Confession. We are in chapter 27 of the sacraments. And I've got some gentlemen on the podcast with me. Gentlemen, would you introduce yourself? How's it going? Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Kevin Kenora, pastoral assistant. <laughs> sorry about that. This is Rob Spanks to Pastor Discipleship. Jumped all over you there, Alex. You, you got to be careful. The youth pastor's always a little <laughs> yeah. excited. You know what I mean? A little fire over here. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> so, very important um, doctrine of the church, of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? What do they do? Et cetera, et cetera. We started last week, broken down, broke down Articles 1 and 2. We will continue now with Articles 3, 4, and 5. Kevin, you want to read these for us? You know it. The grace which is exhibited in or by the sacraments rightly used is not conferred by any power in them, neither doth the efficacy of a sacrament depend upon the piety or intention of him that doth administer it, but upon the work of the Spirit, and the word of institution which contains, together with a precept authorizing the use thereof, a promise of benefit to worthy receivers. Okay. Got some stuff to break down here. The grace, so we already talked about last week that the sacraments do something. The sacraments are a grace. They're a gift to us, and they're meant to have benefits, okay? So they're not just rote um, rituals without any power or without any meaning behind them or without any um, tangible benefits to believers, okay? They are not just symbolic, Um There's something that that happens in them, okay? So the grace which is exhibited in or by the sacraments rightly used, so you can do the sacraments in a wrong way, Mm -hmm. is not conferred by any power in them. And this is important. They're making a distinction here. God is not miraculously microwaving the elements Mm -hmm. so that they now have something special in them of themselves. All right. So he's not changing their nature. He's not changing, you know, the structure of them, the molecular structure of them. That now all of a sudden they have some kind of thing that's going to, it's like a, it's like a spiritual steroid that's going to go in you and and make you better. Okay, that's not how he does it. Neither doth the efficacy. So neither is it is is the efficacy of a sacrament depend upon the piety or intention of him that doth administer it. So if a pastor had, um, you know, I'm going to use a terrible illustration, but if a pastor had, had beat up his wife the night before and ran off with a secretary, and then you didn't, nobody knew that, but then he had, he baptized you or he gave you the Lord's Supper, that does not how somehow nullify yep. those two mm. sacraments, mm. okay? They're not, they're not dependent upon his piety. They're not dependent on, upon his personal holiness. Yeah, that's kind of a good good news. I'll, I'll tell you just a little story of this. And when I, I did a baptism, a, a baptize an infant, and I, of all things, got the Trinity mixed up. And I said, uh, Father, uh, Father, Holy Spirit, and Son. So I did it in the wrong order. It wasn't exactly right. And there's a whole reason behind why I did that, because it was a song I was, had been singing and had gotten stuck in my head. But anyway, all to say, uh, it 
it was still a true still baptism. Valid. <laughs> still valid. <laughs> Even though I messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still valid. Still valid baptism. Um, why? Because it depends upon the work of the Spirit. Yeah, good news. We have a text for that. Yeah, Matthew 3.11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's it. So that's a work of the Spirit. Mm. Um, it's not dependent upon our holiness, but the holiness of God himself. Yeah. And the word of institution which contains together with a precept authorizing the use thereof a promise of benefit to worthy receivers. What text do we have for that one? Matthew 26, 27, and 28. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Okay. So the word, the word of God itself tells us what these sacraments are, tells us how to do these sacraments, tells us what these sacraments uh, point to. Mm -hmm. And the, so the word itself, the word of institution, which together, together, which contains together with the precept authorizing you through of promise and a promise of benefit to worthy receivers. So the word of God itself yeah. promises the benefit yeah. that, that we receive from the sacraments. Okay. <clears throat> so why do we partake of the sacraments? Because Jesus told us to, yeah. right? We are we are to bat, we are to be baptized, and we are to partake in the Lord's Supper, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So now we're going to move on to Article Four. They're going to talk about the two sacraments. You want to go ahead and read that one, Kevin? There are only two sacraments ordained by Christ our Lord in the Gospel. That is to say, baptism and the supper of the Lord. Neither of which may be dispensed by any, but by a minister of the Word lawfully ordained. Okay. Let's get into this. So we've already mentioned this. There's only two sacraments as opposed to the Catholic Church that has seven. Um, ordained by Christ our Lord in the gospel. That is to say, baptism and the supper of the Lord. Neither of which may be dispensed by any, but by a minister of the word. Lawfully ordained. Now this is interesting. What text do we have for that? So there's a few. Uh, Matthew 28 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then Hebrews 5, 4, that says, And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. Hmm. Okay. Well, I would say I am in full agreement. There's only two sacraments ordained by Christ our Lord in the gospel, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, but I would be a little, uh, I'm a little softer when it comes to, uh, may be dispensed by any, but by a minister of the word lawfully ordained. Um, I know ordination held much, um, more authority and more, more, um, it was in higher regard during this day and age. Um, ordination doesn't really mean much necessarily to me because you can be an ordained heretic very easily. And it doesn't mean that you're actually teaching the word, preaching the word, um, because what what institution is ordaining that person? Is it a heretical institution? Is it a man-centered or, or institution? Or is it a God-centered um, institution? What I think the word teaches is that elders 
should primarily be the ones who are administering the sacraments, um, administering or overseeing the administration yeah. Yeah. of the sacraments. Because we know that they can be done in unlawful ways. Mm-hmm. You can, bat- I mean, Rob's little faux pas in baptism, he still had the names right. Like, but there's some people that really believe you should only baptize in Jesus' name and not in the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. And, and there's people that believe that, that, you, that you should never sin after you baptize, be baptized. So every time you sin, that you should get rebaptized. I mean, that's not what the Bible teaches, and that's not an authorized use of baptism. I'd never be dry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't pour some water, kid. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah, um, and so the way that we do this at, at Sacred City is that an elder is always present at baptism, and but we think that command to go make disciples, baptizing the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, is given not just to the apostles, not just to elders, mm-hmm. but given to all people. And so, if you have been instrumental in the salvation of your child or the salvation of your neighbor or friend or family member, we think it's actually a great opportunity for you to be up on stage with them, with an elder, um, baptizing the, baptizing them together. Yeah. Yeah. So what about like passing out the sacraments? Like, um, yeah. It doesn't have to be a deacon or a pastor as long as you guys are As long as they're sinless, they're fine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're all out. Yeah. <laughs> We're no, all no. out. No, so we want, I mean, Preferably, mm-hmm. I would like to have the elders administer the Lord's Supper. Preferably. Mm-hmm. However, the way that we our church and everything is, is set up right now, we have too many people and not enough elders. And yeah. so what we do is choose men of good repute and usually deacons mm-hmm. who can administer with us uh, and, and administer the, the sacraments okay. together in a, in a worthy manner. Because there are situations where elders are required to deny giving the Lord's Supper mm. to people. That's true. And that's something that maybe the elders are only privy to. Maybe right. the elders... So a man is cheating on his wife. He's been called to repentance. He refuses to repent. He shows up at church on Sunday morning. We say, come down here, baptized, repentant believers. And he comes marching down to get the sacrament. And it, the elders know that we've been in counsel with him. We know he's not walking in obedience to the Lord. And so therefore, we're going to say no. We're going to withhold the sacrament from him. Just any member in the church serving would not know. Yeah. And they would just give him, and, and they would just give, yeah. give the sacrament to him. So, um, yeah, so we, I, don't, I think they're, um, I agree that it, the, the sacraments need to be overseen by the elders, mm-hmm. but I don't think they have to be administered by ordained ministers. All right, Article 5, Kevin. The sacraments of the Old Testament in regard to the spiritual things thereby signified and exhibited were, for substance, the same with those of the new. Okay, now this is an interesting article here. The sacraments of the Old Testament. That statement right there might blow some people's minds. The sacraments of the Old Testament in regard of the spiritual things thereby signified and exhibited were for substance the same with those of the new. All right. Um, Men, what were the sacraments of the Old Testament? Anybody want to try? I'll go the one, the easy one. Circumcision was was one of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anybody want to try for the next one? 
Israel passed through the Red Sea. Okay, so and oh, what? So, so that's going to be the the text that they yeah. use as a proof text. Yeah. So the, well, is that the New Testament one? The New Testament text? Or yeah, I'll, I'll read it. Real yeah, quick. yeah. So that's not. So I got you. So the so we have circumcision and we have the Passover. And with the Passover, it's kind of like all the feasts, but, but they, they just cl- cl- clarify it under the Passover. Mm. Okay, so mm. we in the Old Testament, we have circumcision. Mm. And, and, what is, and circumcision was a sacrament that signified that they were set apart. They were God's holy people, that their foreskin was cut away, right? And they received the, the mark of the covenant through blood, mm. right? And their sins could be forgiven through blood and their sins thrown away from them like the foreskin was thrown away from them. But if they did not embrace Jesus Christ by faith, they would be killed. They would, they would still be under the covenant or under the curses of the covenant and they would be struck down. They would be um, cursed. Okay. So that's one sacrament and the Passover, the Passover, uh, obviously when God, famously was about to deliver his people out of Egyptian slavery and the angel of death came to town and anyone who did not put the blood of the lamb over the the lintel of their doorpost, um, the firstborn was going to be killed. But anyone who did, excuse me, I hit the mic there. Anyone who did, the angel of death would pass over their home. So the wrath of God would pass over them. So that sacrament is if you were under the blood of the lamb, the wrath of God would pass over you and you would be saved. All right. Both of those Old Testament sacraments point forward to their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Jesus was the one who, through the shedding of his own blood, offers the forgiveness of sins, right? And Jesus was, um, in a lot of ways, he was cut so we don't have to be cut, right? And Jesus, um, his own blood, you know, the uh, he he is the he is the Passover Lamb. He is the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. So Jesus is the fulfillment of both, um, of both of those Old Testament sacraments. So what they're saying is, there's a correspondence or a continuity, a spiritual continuity, between those two Old Testament sacraments and the two New Testament sacraments, and the spiritual continuity is found in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of them all, and it's all pointing towards the beauty of the gospel that we can be forgiven of our sins. Yeah. Okay, baptism is we're buried with Christ and raised in it. We're washed clean from our sins, right? And the Lord's Supper is that His body was broken and His blood was shed. So you can hear all four of those sacraments. There's blood involved, right? All, all four of those sacraments, there's blood involved, there's salvation involved, there's cleansing involved, there's promises of salvation involved, right? So there's a continuity there. Um, why don't you share the text? Why don't you share the text that you're going to share? 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Okay, here we have the Apostle Paul reading his Old Testament with a New Testament lens. Yes, he did. <laughs> taking, Interesting. G, taking cues from Jesus from Luke t- chapter 24, 
where Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, shows up and meets some bewildered disciples who are despondent and think, man, <clears throat> I don't know what to make of this Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, and what, what did this all mean? And it says that Jesus began with the law and the prophets, and he showed them how everything pointed to him. Hmm. Paul uses that same hermeneutic, that same way of reading scripture and interpreting scripture to go back and look when he was going, when they were going through the Red Sea, that was some, that was a baptism. Yeah, sure. And when they were eating the manna in he from heaven and they were being, and they were drinking from the rock in the wilderness, that was Christ. So th that was typologically Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. right? Pointing forward to Jesus Christ. Hmm. And so there is, this is what we want to say, there is a continuity between the Old Testament um, signs and seals of the covenant and the New Testament signs and seals of the covenant. This is why we believe in pedo-baptism, okay, and communion for, for really young children who have shown a profession of faith, okay, because... The old signs and seals of the old covenant, circumcision was given to children, and the Passover was given to children. Okay, and so um, this is why we think that we can baptize children, and that we can also um, give communion to very young children who might not get it. You know, like cognitive. They, they'll say, "Yes, Jesus died for my sins," but they don't understand the depth of that. Right? They haven't came. To, they're they're not fully mature in their understanding. This is why we believe that it's lawful and it's biblical to to offer this to our children. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? Any questions? Any any thoughts on any of that? So it could, it gives it gives those little ones as I, I'm thinking about what you're just saying here in terms of age. It gives those little ones a uh, uh, both a sign and seal. Even even in that little of an age, I think that they're able to understand enough to understand that uh, this is this is good. Uh, I'm 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 being in one sense sealed under the promises of God by participating with my parents in you know in both uh, obviously baptism is uh, but but the Lord's Supper particularly I think is a, a weekly reminder a weekly reminder of that covenant that they are under uh, I can yeah you can you can see how valuable that is for a child who then would have that testimony I think we've talked about this in the past podcasts but just would have that strong testimony that says. I've always known the Lord yep. and, and want to walk with the Lord because of that reality is, is I've, I know the Lord, I want to walk with the Lord all the, all the days of my life purely because I'm reminded of his grace week after week after week after week of the, this covenant of grace that we're talking about. So yeah, I can see what a, what a value that would have for those the little ones to grow up into uh, Jesus Christ. It's, yeah. It's a good grace. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, and this, this requires of, again, this... This requires us to understand the covenant and understand what a covenant is and, and that there's what does a sign and a seal mean for the covenant. We need to have a covenantal understanding that God only relates to human beings through a covenant. Mm -hmm. And either the covenant of works or the covenant of grace. And if we're under... So in the, the, the covenant of grace is in, um, prog is, was progressively revealed through the Old Testament 
and then concluded and completed and perfected in the New Testament. And what that one analogy that I've been using, <clears throat> and I'm, this podcast will come out after I've already used this analogy on Sunday, so I can go ahead and use it again now, is if you think of the covenant as an, as the, so if you think of the covenant as an operating system on a computer, okay? And the covenant of grace, version one, came to Adam in the garden, okay? And it was, it had, it was grace because God killed an animal and covered him and, um, and gave him mercy and kindness and forgiveness of sins and a, and a way to be forgiven. And he said, and, he pro, and there was a promise in that covenant of future redemption, right? He was going to crush the head of the serpent and the serpent was going to wound his heel. That was version one, all right, of covenant of grace. Version two, we could say, came with Noah, mm -hmm. right? I'll never flood the earth again with more promise, right? Version three came with Abraham. I'm going to make you into a great nation, right? Version four came with Moses. There's, we clearly see the gracious, you know, before they could do anything, they res God rescued them out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. And then he gave them law. So now we have, an ex ver so this is version four here. We, we've got, we got a, a clarified law. What does God really want from us? It was kind of implied with Adam and, and Noah and Abraham. There weren't clear stipulations. Mm -hmm. You know I mean? There were, yeah, to go do this, but there wasn't an expanded law code like he gave and, and uh, the Levitical priesthood and the ornate structure of the temple. And here's how you have your sins forgiven. It expanded under Moses. All right. And then we have the Davidic covenant and we have a, a, a kingdom with a king that God wants to rule. Right. So it's a tangible kingdom and the blessings of the world are coming into it. Well, we know from, that the people, that those covenants were gracious, yet they had um, works attached to them. They needed to, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you disobey, you'll be cursed, right? So they were still conditional, at least they were, they were gracious in the, on the front end and, and they, they needed grace and they were supplied by grace and there was opportunities of forgiveness, but they were still conditional in the fact that human beings could fail and then break covenant with God. God would always remain faithful, but he, they could break covenant and remain faithful. Let's say that's version five. That's what we, we end. We end the old Testament in, in with version five under darkness because it's failed. But then in comes Christ and he comes bringing and instituting the new covenant. And what he does is he fulfills both sides of all first five versions of the of the covenant of grace. He obeys every piece of the law to the letter, right? But then he also takes our place and takes the all the curses of the law for 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 people who disobeyed the law. Mm. He takes all the curses of the law. So therefore now God can forgive us and still remain just still still be just, right? And he dies for us. He lives for us. He dies for us. He's resurrected, proving that this whole situation was God-ordained and God accepts his sacrifice and God accepts him fulfilling the covenant. And now that he's fulfilled the covenant, 
he can now institute the new covenant, mm. which I would say is version six, mm. final version, no amendments, no updates, no, updates, <laughs> no upgrades possible. He completely fulfills it. And, and now we are in the new covenant, which is enacted on better promises, as the book of Hebrews tells us. So now we can compare the new covenant with the old covenant and say the new is better than the old. Now, if you know anything about operating systems, when you get an, when you get an upgrade, they're not deleting all of the foundation of the past the past uh, mm -hmm. covenants, right? They're just adding to it. They're just perfecting it. They're just making it better. And so the, the blessings and the, the, the good stuff of the covenant, it's to your children. It's to a thousand generations. That comes into the new covenant. We should assume that would come into the new covenant, right? So the blessing is for us and for our children. Mm -hmm. um, I think too many people draw a hard and fast line between the new covenant let's just say the New Testament and the Old Testament, thinking the blessings of the Old Testament don't make their way into the New Testament at all. I, I would disagree with that. I think they do. But the New Testament is even better. And for me, if the Old Covenant included blessings for my children and the New Covenant is better, well, then wouldn't they also include blessings for my children? Right? I, I think they would. I think they would. But in the New Testament, it does so think about it like this. If you've got the brand new version of your, your operating system, why would you ever want to go back to two or three versions? The only reason you'd want to go back is if there's some kind of bug in the new one. Well, the, the new one is perfect. The new covenant is perfect. This is why in the New Testament, in the new, the new covenant, anybody that wants to go back to the ways of Moses and be justified you know, by their obedience and adherence to the, to the Ten Commandments or the Levitical priesthood and all this kind of they're like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're going, you, you can't do that. If you go back under that, then you're going to be justified by that. You, you can't have it both ways. Mm. You can't be justified by the blood of Christ and go back to the old Mosaic covenant. Hmm. Right? And even if you go back, you already failed. You've fallen short, right? Right. That's the, that's the point. You have to keep, he, Paul says, if you go back to the old covenant, you are guilty if you fail one part of it, one mm -hmm. aspect of it, one piece of it. You're guilty of breaking the whole thing. So with the Old Covenant, um, so we could talk about version four. <laughs> trying to remember what version we're on. Mosaic or whatever, uh, in any one of the earlier versions. Um, we know that all of those men who received those covenants, plus their families and, and you know the nation of Israel, they all failed. So are we saying... They all they all missed out, and we're never gonna we're not gonna see them in heaven, and you know you know you know what I'm asking. Yeah, here. yeah, no, because they knew that they were looking forward to the snake crusher. Yeah, they were looking forward to the true and better yeah. Moses, the true and better Abraham, the true and better David, the true and better King, the true and better prophet, the true and better priest, and so. And once, so the spirit, the spiritual nature of the covenant of grace was always mediated by Jesus Christ, yeah. which is why in the Old Testament, you see these weird people show up. You see Melchizedek yeah. show up yeah. and Abraham offer him tithes and offerings, even though no one's ever been commanded to do that. But when we think that's a, a, a Christophany, it's the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ showing up. Mm 
and talking and, and, and Abraham just instinctively knows what to do. Yeah. You, I, I need to worship this guy and give him some money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and offer it. And that's what he does. And you see several different places in the old Testament. You see this mythical mystery, mystery. Uh, I don't want to say mythical, but mysterious mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. show up and they're called Christophanies. They're called it's Jesus Christ before he was born of the Virgin Mary showing up in the Old Testament because the covenant of grace was always about him. When God killed that first animal and put it and then put the skins around Adam and Eve, there was nothing just like our sacraments, there was nothing special about those animals. The 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 animal sacrifice only had efficacy because one day in the future the son of God was going to give his life as a ransom for sinners. Mm -hmm. And so all of those sacrifices of the Old Testament, all of those covenants that you would literally, they would call it, you cut a covenant. And when you cut, they said you would cut a covenant because they would cut an animal in half, literally, and they would walk, they would put it up one side on the right, one side on the left, Mm -hmm. and the two people, they would say, here's what we're committing to. We're committing to, you know, I'll be your God, you'll be my people or whatever. If it's two people, it would be, I commit to buy the land for this amount of money. And then they would tie themselves together. They would walk through the, that, that ripped apart animal. And that, and it was like, if, if you obey, you get the land. If you obey, you get the money. If you disobey, you're going to be like one of these animals. You're going to be ripped apart. And when God made a covenant with man, he did the same exact thing. Whoever breaks this covenant is going to be torn asunder, knowing full well that people would not keep that covenant. And so what did he do? He came to be torn asunder for us. Thank you, Jesus. To keep both sides. (laughs) That was a good time to say that, brother. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) To keep both sides of the covenant. He's the covenant keeper, and he took the covenant curses for us Mm -hmm. so that we could have the covenant blessings and the covenant promises. So when they failed... um, they knew that they had broken covenant, and yet they were trusting in God's promises that there would be one who would take care of that failure in terms of the covenant. Um, they're, they're again going back to trusting in God and His promises that He would provide one who would save them, in a sense, yep. uh, from their from their failures. So that's how they could kind of do the day to day. Uh, you know, in in their sin, to yeah. know that they still had hope because their hope wasn't founded in themselves; it was founded in this promise of this one future yeah. redeemer coming. Yeah, yeah. and now we are in, in a similar place as they are because we know we're not perfect and we don't keep the law perfect, but we're in a, a better place than they are because we look back to the one who entered history and lived the perfect life and that died died the substitutionary death, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, in our place for our sins. So. But we still, so just as their faith pointed forward and they were saved, our faith points backwards mm-hmm. and we're saved, mm. right? Because they're not, they weren't perfect, we're not perfect. Now, what makes us different from the Old Testament believers is that we've already received the fulfillment and we've, or the, the fulfillment of the new covenant, the Holy Spirit has come into us as a down payment on our inheritance, right? So now... This is this is different. Well, how do I say this? Um, in the Old Testament, you see people become what it looks like they become believers, 
but then they fall away. You see the Holy Spirit come on people like Saul, Saul yeah. and then leave and depart. Yeah. And you don't have that in the New Testament. It, once the Holy Spirit enters you, the Holy Spirit is in you. You are, you, are, you are saved. Now, Saul was never one of the elect. Saul was never predestined unto salvation, but he, was, he had the Spirit on him, right? But he didn't have the Spirit in him as opposed to David. So on this side of the, on this side of the covenant, we are in a, a much more beneficial place than the Old Testament believers were, even though, like them, we are still waiting for the consummation of the covenant, the consummation of the kingdom, where we get our new new bodies and we get our new earth, right? Where we will no longer struggle with sin and death and decay. So, so a little bit of covenant talk, a little bit in the, in the, in the, Baptism and the Lord's Supper um, are the signs and seals of the covenant. Hopefully this sparked your imagination. Hopefully this uh, helped you. If you've got any questions um, or comments, please email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you guys. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.